long ago in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 71, Star Wars, issue number 13, cover date July 1978, Day of the Dragon Lords. Hello, I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I am a comic book time traveler, and you are now listening to another episode of The Comic Book Time Machine Presents, Marvel's Cosmic Comics, and this time we are looking at the comic books that Marvel published with a cover date of July 1978. These are comics that are not just part of the Marvel Comics pantheon of publishing uh, these are comics that Marvel uh, secured the rights to publish from other places. And for the most part, they are pretty sci-fi dominated. There is some fantasy obviously involved when you're talking about something like Star Wars. But this is what this show does. We are taking the time to go month by month through what Marvel is publishing. So this month we are taking a look at Star Wars number 13. We're taking a look at John Carter, Warlord of Mars number 14. We're taking a look at Godzilla King of the Monsters, number 12. We're taking a look at the Human Fly issue, number 11, I believe. going to get out my list because this is how this works. Is I go back in time um, to a comic book spinner rack that's at some sort of gas station or, uh, as I've mentioned before, stoppy shoppy. Um, that's where I used to get my comic books, that and uh, the local grocery store. And... On the shelf, I find these comics for 35 cents. I find uh, Man from Atlantis, number six. Uh, what else is there? I think that's it. And then also we'll be taking a look at Machine Man and and Devil Dinosaur later on at the end. But uh, yeah, this is how it works. Now, you know, there's the whole time travel metaphor thing. And the way it really works is I'm pulling out a, a plastic comic book sleeve and inside are the individual issues that I have. And I also have a couple uh, trade paperbacks for this uh, particular episode, for this particular month, I should say. Uh, Godzilla number 12 is not going to be read in black and white. It is going to be read in full color because of my friend Stephen McDonald from over at Strangers and Aliens. He's my co-host over there at that podcast. He sent me, uh, I think I mentioned this before, two copies of Godzilla that he had, I think, from his personal collection, probably that he purchased at the time. Uh, one of them was issue number three. Issue number three of Godzilla being the one with champions, Hercules and Angel and Iceman fighting Godzilla. That's the one with a full-page splash of Hercules flipping Godzilla. Well, this issue of Godzilla, issue number 12, I actually have, again, in color because he sent that to me, and uh, I can't wait to get into that. 
So that's what we're doing. There's no special weird things for this month. No uh, movie adaptations or anything like that. There are some weird things that they did publish, but they weren't things that I was interested in covering for this round. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get into Ben's bullpen bulletin later on, which is when I talk about the the ads and the the uh, text material that that Marvel publishes in their comics. So for now, we're taking a look uh, in this next segment at Star Wars issue number 13. And I have to say, having already read it, I'm pretty excited. I actually have to say I read some of these when I was not uh, able to record about them yet. And so normally I take them out of the sleeve and read them and record about them right after I've read them. I've read more than half of these issues while I was on vacation in Canada and I didn't have access to my recording materials. And I have to say, um, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much. I'm just going to say there's some real treats and even the bad just might be good. Although I haven't read them all. So there may be some bad to come anyway, good or bad. I hope you're here uh, and we'll have some fun as you are here with me. I know I had some fun doing the reading that I did. And I especially had fun reading this upcoming segment, uh, which is Star Wars issue number 13. The cover date is July 1978. And according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is, as I have said before, where I get a lot of my information about when things happened and when things were released, uh, was April 11th of 1978. So let's get started. So Star Wars issue number 13 was written by Archie Goodwin and Carmen Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin are the artists. Rick Parker is the letterer. It's a new name. I think I don't remember seeing Rick Parker's name or did I make that same comment last time? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm looking back and it's John Costanza back then. So uh, Rick Parker, a new name. I don't know much about him. Actually, literally everything that I know about him is that his name is right here. It's saying he lettered this comic. So when I say I don't know much about him, that's that's not overstating the case. Janice Cohen is the colorist and Jim Shooter, consulting editor. And I have to say, I have to say that this issue of Star Wars was a real, real treat. Uh, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. To start with, it, it this issue in particular, <clears throat> the other issues hinted at um, some expanded universe, uh, not just expanded universe, I should say, uh, the other issues hinted at, uh, you know, just things have happened and interesting things. And there's, there's this whole other world of, of things, but in this issue, they give the backstory to that, that world. And I'm, I would say if I was little Benji Avery walking around the grocery store, looking for this kind of thing. And I pick this up and ask mom if she'd buy it for me as she's buying her groceries. And mom says, yes, as she occasionally did, not every time, but occasionally she did. I would take this home and I would read it. And and if little Benji Avery had a chance to read it instead of adult Ben Avery uh, going back in time in the comic book time machine to read it, I would have loved this issue. Now, that's not to say that this is like some of the other comics that I've read where I've said as a child I would love it and I don't love it as an adult. That's to say I love it as an adult, but as a child I would read this and I would think, oh my goodness, they're talking about the Old Republic. They're talking about 
Jedi adventures before Star Wars. They're talking about a world that was inhabited. They're talking about other people doing other things that weren't just the Empire and weren't just the Rebellion, but they were people who were against the Republic before the Empire took over. And they created their own society on this planet. There is a whole backstory to these people, and I've been waiting for the backstory, hoping it would be interesting. And the truth of it is, while there's some convolutedness to it, it actually is kind of cool. And there's flashback pages as they're telling the story of this people, and it just hints at this broad, broad universe. It's exciting to me. It's fun. And this whole issue, as I was reading it, I would I would grin a little bit. I only have two real gripes. And one is the cliffhanger that we end on. And the other is that first, well, I guess three gripes. One is the cliffhanger we end on. The other is just the shortness of it. And when I then my third being this would have been a much better read if I wasn't breaking it up into chapters where I'm reading about one a month one chapter of 17 pages every month. This as a story arc flows very well. And I think would read much better if you're starting with issue, I guess, uh, issue number 11, where we move away from Han Solo's adventures in, uh, in the Magnificent Seven and move into Han Solo, Princess Leia, trying to find Luke who's lost on this water world. I really, really enjoyed this. Now, what did I enjoy about this? Well, the setup, first of all, let's talk about where we're coming from with issue number 12. But where we're coming from with issue number 12 is set up into what I'm really enjoying about this. Uh, the first page, Day of the Dragon Lords, it says, uh, the captioning says, the ship is as big as a city. It endlessly sails the vast ocean that is the surface of this unnamed planet in the Drexel system. And it shows the ship. And we talked about it in the last episode. But if you haven't heard that episode, or just as a reminder, since it has been a little while... The people of this planet sail around on this wooden ship that they have built that it has houses. It's basically an Ewok village uh, merged with a pirate ship. And that, that enough is pretty cool. And then you have some excitement here with Luke where he has to save R2-D2 and C-3PO because the people on this planet, they want the metal because metal on this planet is more precious than any kind of jewel. And so they're going to just dismantle Luke. Not, they're not going to dismantle Luke. That's kind of stupid and would work nicely as a uh, blooper if I did bloopers for this show. But since I don't, I'm just not going to edit it out and just say they're not dismantling Luke. They're going to dismantle C-3PO and R2-D2. And so Luke, he's going to try and get them to not dismantle the robots, the, the droids. And so they say, fine, if they're as great as you think they are, then they'll fix our little... Uh, skimmers that, that we ride across the ocean so they do have some metal uh basically little hovercraft boat kind of things and so r2d2 fixes it faster than it needs to be fixed uh he has to cut corners but he's doing better than actually any of the people on this ship and he fixes it and they tell luke you know what luke you have to go on um a trial run so he's going to prove that r2 did what he said he could do and if he did what he said he could do they're not going to dismantle him because they'll need him and there's another guy who's watching and he's not real happy. You know, you can tell from his face. But the rule is anyone who is new and comes, they're going to be killed and their metal is going to be recycled. And so the the governor of the city, the leader of the city, uh, he's, he's saying, why would I break my own rule 
for you. And so R2-D2 fixes the boat and Luke has to prove that basically prove that he's worthy, but also prove that R2-D2's workmanship is worthy to be, you know, mechanics for these people. And okay. So I'm reading that. I'm like, okay, now that's just the first three pages. And that's kind of interesting, but then (laughs) there's this perfect page flip and I don't know how it would work with ads in the comic because I don't have the actual comic. I have the omnibus here. Um, the omnibus for Star Wars is, is my time machine. And I, I love it, but uh, I do wish I could have the ads and some of the letter letter column kind of things. Anyway, he's going along. He's going to take this thing out and he has to destroy a bundle of wood. And you turn the page and all of a sudden there's a guy. You, you see in the last panel of page three, a hand pushing up a, a, a hatch but then you turn the page, the guy is totally just grabs Luke in a chokehold and he's, Luke is trying to pilot and, and not die and also trying to plan how he's going to be able to use this ratty little boat thing that shouldn't even be afloat he, because R2-D2's fixed it. His workmanship is good, but uh, better than their work. But even then, you know, bringing it up to specs where they had it before is not good enough. He mentions actually the... Let's see here. Um, he says R2D's re- R2's repairs were help, but it's going to take some Beggar's Canyon style sharpshooting to get the job done. Nice little callback there to the movie. But then, like I said, you turn the page. He's trying to do. He's trying not to die as he's piloting. He finally he he manages to to break the the bundle of wood. But it turns out it's the mechanic. It's the head mechanic. He doesn't want to be replaced, and so he is going to make sure that Luke Skywalker fails. Well, Luke doesn't fail. He manages to do what he, the, the little test. He, he blows up the wood. And so R2-D2 and C-3PO are saved. But then there's just more little details here. And, and the one detail is you see some children and some women uh, who they're, you know, they're all getting along. You see there's little tiny lizards all over the place. And uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO get an oil bath in fish oil. And uh, C-3PO mentions the, the odor. And that's kind of fun. But then as he's being as Luke is being shown around, he looks up at the yard arm where, you know, sails would be hanging from there, except this is a great big giant ship. And instead you have the huge mast and then the yard arms actually have houses on them. But hanging from one of them is the master machine smith. Uh, he had to be made an example of and he could he went against the governor and he tried to kill someone who could be of use and they don't waste anything that can be of use. And Luke and C-3PO and R2-D2 are two things that could be, well, three things, but human and, and droid. So two things that could be of use. And he's just hanging there. And it's a very, very, very tiny image. And it's not graphic at all, but it is very, very, very effective. And I, I think, you know, here the twists and turns already just in a few pages of this very short, you know, 17 page chapter really have me drawn in and <laughs> excited to read. And I'm grinning a little bit as I'm reading because I'm really enjoying the ride that this issue is taking me on. So from here, we get then the backstory of these guys. And it's it's an interesting backstory and, and it makes sense in the context of what's come before with the dragons uh, the underwater dragons and the riders of the dragons, the dragon lords, but then also what caused Luke to crash. And and then it sets up some things for, for what's to come. And basically, these guys lived in a system. The old Republic was not too happy with them because they would draw people in 
and then jam their computers and their their uh, well, I guess disrupt the ship's drives with their jamming systems, and then they'd swoop in and and pirate them. Uh, so what's happening here on the planet is something similar, where they don't have enough stuff to get off world but they still have the jamming devices so when a ship comes in close enough they can cause it to crash and you have two factions then because these pirates they were trying to escape the old republic and there's one panel a wonderful panel where in the foreground is just two hands holding a lightsaber there's a guy laying on the ground and there's uh, the governor and some other people in the background it's the people of this ship it's actually i think the governor's father but they were running from the old Republic and their damaged ship crashed on this water world. Whenever another ship would come by, they would use their jammers to bring them down and then to get their metal to hopefully build something to be able to fight their battles better against the dragon lords. And in the meantime, they were going underwater and they were harvesting wood from these underwater plants. That's how they built this city that they're sailing around in. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the dragon lords are are mechanics who rebelled against this and didn't want to do this. And so they actually have a device using similar technology to the jamming device to control the dragons. And so you have these two factions, one who, you know, they're all from pirate stock, but but some of them didn't like what they were doing and, and decided they weren't going to use the technology for, for evil and they were going to instead do good with it. And it's, again, you have this little tiny society and this is fun sci-fi stuff where you get and it all fits into all the stuff that's come with the the guy who was riding his his dragon thing and and the the conflict that they had and the reason that that luke crashed it, it makes it so much fun and it feels really well thought out it feels like it makes sense and that they they planned it this way which is well, probably what happened. Although looking back at, uh, you know, Archie Goodwin started writing with the issue where they talked about the fate of Luke Skywalker. And before that, it was uh, that I think the Don, yeah, the Don Glut scripted Roy Thomas story. And so this is, yeah, this is Archie Goodwin saying, okay, I've got all these elements and I'm going to pull them together and make something cool out of it. And what ends up happening then is the Dragon Lords come and there's some more just brilliant, cool, neat artwork where you have the people on the, the, the riggings of the ship shouting out that there's an army of dragons is coming. And sure enough, on the horizon, the sun is coming up and there's just a few dozen dragons. Their heads just coming out of the water. It is an awesome, awesome panel. So you have the beginnings of a war here between the two factions of the small society. But then you also have the pirates coming because we don't want to forget about Han Solo, Princess Leia, Crimson Jack, um, the female character. What's her name? (laughs) Jolly, I think it is. Uh, You know, they're in that Star Destroyer and they're coming and the the uh, people of the ship have turned their jammers on that Star Destroyer. And uh, so meanwhile... This creates a diversion for Han Solo and Princess Leia and Chewbacca to escape. And then they basically crash land into the water in the middle of that battle. And this brings up the only the the other gripe that I have is that and that's the cliffhanger. And and it ends with uh, skimmers attacking the Millennium Falcon and uh, Luke Skywalker 
and R2-D2 and C-3PO, they come around to the Millennium Falcon on their own skimmer, but Chewbacca instantly attacks them. Why? Because he was being attacked by a skimmer, and now he's kind of into this berserk mode where uh, he can't get out of it. It says here, it would take someone Chewie trusts, such as Han Solo, to calm him down. But Han Solo is missing now. There are, however, many more skimmers. Most of their crews saw what Luke did and mean to repay him. And so as Chewbacca is attacking Luke, so are the other people on the other skimmers. And then he wakes up, and I'm not sure. It looks like he's in the middle of a wooden, the hold of a wooden boat. Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Luke Skywalker. And Chewbacca has woken up, and he is in a rage. And that is the end. That's the cliffhanger. Uh, what's Chewbacca going to do? Is he going to destroy C-3PO and, and really hurt Luke? Which brings us to the cover. The cover has Chewbacca uh, on, again, it's basically the scene that I just described. It's Chewbacca punching Luke, holding C-3PO by the throat, and they're on a wooden ship or in the hold of a wooden ship. And Luke, uh, not Luke, uh, C-3PO is saying, Master Luke, this time we don't dare let the Wookiee win. Nice callback. And it says, friend against friend on a star lost world. Deadly reunion. So that's that's our cover image here. And the cover image is, you know, it's tied into that cliffhanger. So it's one of the weaker points of the book. But the book itself, this issue was so much fun. And then it says, uh, next issue, call it Armageddon. And yeah, I'm going to call it Armageddon. I actually am going to say it's about time Armageddon out of here to do our next segment, which is going to be Godzilla. Yes, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, number 12. Uh, the cover says Star Sinister. So we're, we're going to stay in space for a little while here. Maybe like last time. Last time the theme seemed to be water. Um, maybe the theme this time will be some sort of space-related thing. I don't know. I think I'm going to be able to figure out some sort of really weak way to make it. Uh, the the uh, the stories, they're, they're going to fit into this theme somehow or another even if they don't mean to but this one godzilla king of monsters number 12 it definitely will that's our next segment so until next time i do want to say thank you so much for listening and of course no matter who you are where you are or where you're going godspeed and may the force be with you thanks for listening to the comic book time machines marvel's cosmic comics feed you can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you'd join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Godzilla King of the Monsters, number 12, Star Sinister. And I really wish they'd give me something a little bit more to work with on cover copy here, but, you know, whatever. <laughs>